mini-series. Uh, you can see there that it's called How to Judge. We'll explain that here in just a moment. But let's begin by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15. Now, we just had a study of the book of 1 Corinthians not too long ago, and we went over this and a number of the concepts that we'll be considering. We've gone over a number of times in recent, uh, in recent lessons and not so recent lessons, but we'll put them together, put some of these things together and look at three specific uh, considerations regarding how to judge as the Lord leads. But it says here in 1 Corinthians 2.15, just so that we're all on the same page and we can all have a foundation of, to consider here, but he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Let's bow our heads and ask the Lord to bless our study. Heavenly Father, we bring ourselves before you, Lord. Grateful, as always, I trust, Lord, that you listen to us and that we can bring ourselves to you with our needs, Father, and our requests. Father, we can bring our desires to you, Lord. And I trust that each desire, the desire of each heart that's here present tonight, Father, mine included, is that you would be honored in what we do and what we consider, but, Father, that we would be changed, as our brother prayed a moment ago, that we would become who you want us to be, moment by moment, Father, and day by day, from glory to glory, being changed in the image of Jesus. Father, help us to reflect him, to consider him, to behave in a manner that is worthy of the calling that he bought for us and won for us. Father, help us to lay hold of everything that you have and present that testimony to those who might see. Bless this word to us tonight, Father. I pray that you would help us to grow closer to one another as we grow closer to you in fellowship in your word. Bless us, I pray, and be honored, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'll be honest with you, if you just want to take this at face value, it says how to judge. Probably if you toss that out there to just any... A collection of bystanders, just a cross-section of just normal folks, quote-unquote normal folks. Um, They would probably go, "Eh," you know, and sneer and say, well, of course, you know, it's a church, of course. You're going to teach how to judge, you being the judgmental people that you Christians are. It is what it is. Uh, Christians for, I don't know, some number of centuries have been presented and identified and pointed out and accused of being judgmental of being critical, hypercritical of others while being hypocritical on their own part. Uh, And you know, here's the thing. Would you agree with me that not all of it is undue criticism against the believer? The problem with Christianity, number one, is the Christians. You know, we say that quite often. It's the people, the earthen vessels that we, well, that we all are. we're going to consider, again, a three-part study in how to judge and how to do so, well, not in the manner that, that the world would persuade us to judge or not judge, not according to their ideals, not according to the world's ideals. I hate to say they, even from the outset, because I'm trying not to point at just people in general. I'm trying to point at us, actually, point inwardly to us and, and help us to consider how the Lord would have us to judge to evaluate, to, is, to assess the things that he would have us to assess. So you'll, you'll see that I don't have a, a titled How to Judge People, although it just it is what it is. It's going to involve people and the judging of people. Um, but it's not merely people that we're called to judge. It's not merely you know, what everyone else is doing and how we can look down on them and how we can secure and concrete those 
all those bad connotations that, that so many in the world hold of people of faith. Uh, because it's not merely people that we're called to judge. Although it is human nature to judge people. It is what it is. Uh, Jesus said himself in Matthew 7, 1, Judge not that you be not judged. That's most people who aren't believers. That's most people's favorite passage in Scripture. Judge not that you be not judged. They throw it out there quite frequently, as I say, oftentimes. This series is not going to oppose this this statement that Jesus uh, said. Hopefully nothing I say from the pulpit opposes what Jesus said. (laughs) Judge not that you be not judged, being right in there with it. That's what he said. Uh, We'll address that thought and that concept of judging not that you be not judged and see what Jesus meant by that. Um, People are very much involved, however, we understand this. People are involved and it's the things that people do that is part of our Requisite activity, our requisite occupation for us as believers to judge. But we have to understand what that means. uh, What Jesus was referring to when he talked about judging not. And what he refers to when he calls us indeed to judge, to consider, to look and evaluate and all of those things. Uh, We need to learn how to judge how we're intended to. All of us do. Saints, it it is our natural tendency, as as I said a second ago. It's human nature, whether we want to or not. I, I, I tell Allie all the time uh, how I need to change this about myself. I need to work on this. I feel like I'm just a grumpy old man in certain scenarios, in certain situations. I find little pieces of my attitude I don't like. And I express it to her often. I need to change this about myself. And then I proceed to fail to change that about myself over the course of the years. It just It is what it is sometimes. I don't want it to just simply be what it is. I don't want the status quo to remain the status quo. Uh, We don't have to abide by the status quo when the Lord tells us something else. When the Lord leads us in a different direction, and he says that he's empowered us. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can change certain things. And even though it's human nature to judge, judge, judge. That's not just them out there. It takes no no time at all to sit, well, with family to sit with God's family, to sit with people out in the grocery store or whatever, to, takes no time at all to hear an example of someone saying, mm, look at, <laughs> and judging, uh, for, for better or for worse. We understand this. Human nature. But we need not abide by human nature's means of judging. So, this will be a three-part study. And I have a, well, a three-part mnemonic device for us, as sometimes I do, as we consider this, well, this series, um, for the thoughts behind each part of this study, how to judge. And we're going to, tonight, we'll consider that first one, how to assess, and then we're going to consider how to confess, and we're going to consider how to bless, and how these things apply to the godly way to judge, the need to judge for ourselves, as will be that first component there, then the proper mindset when judging for ourselves, and then the unchanging intention when judging for ourselves. These three pieces will be our considerations. So let's move forward. Let's move forward and consider uh, how to, well, how to judge, how to judge. Now, like I said a moment ago, we've been criticized of of judging incorrectly, uh, being self-righteous, being hypocritical of, well, of towards others and not critical enough to ourselves and not without reason, as I mentioned a moment ago. Why is that? 
Why is it that, that Christians tend to lean into this judgmental attitude, not judging as God would have us to judge? I think that there are a number of different reasons, but if you want to distill it down into just one simple, just kind of off-the-cuff kind of reason, I think it's because we have the light of the world in these earthen vessels. Okay, We have something grand. When, when you consider it, you consider the word that we do study, that we consider. You all are here four times a week, a number of you. Uh, you understand even if you just pick it up through osmosis. You know, not, perhaps not studying for yourself at home. But you hear terms, you hear concepts, stirred by the Spirit while you're here, perhaps, or, or while you're studying at home, and you pick things up, and you understand, and you have a measure of faith, right? Sometimes deep faith, sometimes strong faith. Even if it's weak faith or little faith, it's still faith is present there. And we have this faith in an almighty God. And we have this understanding that this grace, this unmerited favor has been bestowed upon us. And we have this understanding that we're earthen vessels that he pulled up out of the miry clay. And simply because we believed we have been given eternal life and the chance, not the chance, the opportunity to move forward and win a crown. Um, be fully victorious as we've considered at length lately. And sometimes it is that... I don't know, it's kind of a mix of supernatural, spiritual, and natural. Somewhere in between, it's that natural, odd tendency, well, in and of ourselves, to recognize that we are children of God. And sometimes God's children can stand on that soapbox, well, and start to believe that they earned it somehow. Some, some people teach that doctrine. Uh, I think I've shared it from the pulpit, and I don't think I'm... Speaking out of turn, but Judah used to be a sweet little, he's still a sweet little kid, but he's not a little kid anymore, but he used to be a sweet little baby, and people noticed it, and he was sweet, and I, I've asked different ones along the line, please don't tell Judah how sweet he is, because at some point he's going to start to believe it. He's going to start, you know, thinking that he's sweet, and he'll start using sweetness, not because it's his natural tendency, but because it gets him stuff. It gets him things, and it gets people to ooh and ah over him. And pretty soon you start to shift off of the sweetness for kindness sake, and you start being sweet for, well, for selfishness sake. That tends to be, well, that flesh nature within us. You're a child of God. Yes, I am. And at some point, sometimes that humility starts to work its way. As you read more and more of what he's done for us, of how he's changing us, of how we are empowered and we can do anything through Christ who strengthens us. And we start to sometimes start focusing inward and looking at ourselves as the, well, as the justification for that rather than well, the grave that Jesus came up and out of. And so I think that oftentimes that's where that self-righteousness comes from. That judgmental... Well, that judgmental attitude is we're always considering how we're supposed to be in the Lord, what we're supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do. And then when we see others doing what they're not supposed to do, we can oftentimes immediately say, ew, gross, or that sort of thing. And we need to be careful about such things because then it stops being judging and assessing that situation. That whole, well, that whole ball of wax that it is over there. And we start becoming judgmental. Uh, we start to think of our own earthen vessel as being something more than the other earthen vessels that surround us. It's why Jesus said what he said in uh, Matthew 7 that we read a moment ago. And it's why others like James preached, taught, wrote what James wrote here in James 4.11. He said, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. 
But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Now, we considered uh, the word crino, uh, or crino, if you want to pronounce it that way, and its meaning there in the Greek, and that is the term that's translated judge here in James 4.11, when it actually speaks to the exercising of judgment upon. Uh, it attaches punishment there. It means to cast judgment is, is typically what, uh, what it's translated as, or that thought. Oftentimes translated even as condemn. So you might say it there, who are you to condemn another? And that's what we're kind of considering here. Who are you to condemn another as well as though you're better or uncondemnable in yourself? We are not better. We understand this. I trust. It is back there in our gray matter, even in those times when we might find ourselves just by habit or reflex being judgmental. We are no better uh, than anybody else. Uh, we just trust the Lord that he will bring us along and we might, well, bear witness and bear testimony as he does that. We're in absolute need of grace is my point. And so we don't simply judge people and say, you need Jesus because ew, or you're not showing Jesus because ew, or so on and so forth. That being said, <laughs> flipping back, we do consider people. We do consider what people do. Uh, and how it affects us and those that are within our sphere of influence, right? So, let's consider, well, here's our first, our first segment, our first assessment, our first element here. We assess the issues, that's what we're called to do when we're going to judge as the Lord would have us do. We don't merely cast judgment, we assess. We look at an issue and we assess it. We establish whether there are problems there. We consider it and evaluate it. Sometimes very quickly. Sometimes we do it rather organically. Sometimes we just come across something without even thinking. We're assessing and evaluating that scenario and that situation. Uh, I used to study all kinds of catastrophes and tragedies with the old job. And there are a number of different times where... Uh, there might have been other ones that have come as well in the time that I've been out of that old job, but a number of different times, a number, a number of different scenarios and uh, situations that have happened, terrible events that take place, and they all follow a very similar pattern. But there are a number that stick out in my mind, specific ones. I remember a guy fell down into a well. And there, again, I might confuse a couple of different stories because it happened more than once. But a guy fell down into a well. And I, as, I believe as the story went, uh, he fell and he was kind of on this outcropping of this well. And underneath him, he wasn't, he wasn't sure how far it was down there, but he didn't jump off of the outcropping. He just sat there on that little outcropping in that confined space. And someone knew that he was down there, so someone lowered themselves down in there, and they realized, oh, the bottom of the, the, bottom of the well's right here. So they lowered themselves down to the bottom of the well, and they shortly thereafter passed out. Fell out right there on the ground, and, hey, what's going on? Help me out, you know, unconscious. So anyway, the fire department was called, and so they sent guys down. Next thing you know, guys were passing out as they landed on the bottom, repelled themselves down. Passing out, passing out, passing out. And they kept sending more and more down in there. I forget how many people, how many people went down in there. And they died. As it turned out, they were taking their lawn clippings and they were dumping the lawn clippings into the, the well. 
methane gas and all of those things as it decomposed was creating this heavier-than-air death pocket just underneath that guy who was sitting down there. Come down! Help me out here! And they went down there and they died. They kept sending people down in there. And after a while, they started thinking to themselves, let's test the air down here or what's going on and causing this they assessed the situation they kind of hurried into it and so now now i mean again i've been out of the game for seven years now but we tested air monitor we sent monitors down every time there's a confined space to find out what's in there that you can't see to stop and think for a moment something's going on here there could be real danger here remember what happened these last time ding 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 red flags all of these things is something capable of hurting me here They're not being judgmental of the situation. They're pumping the brakes and they're judging in that situation. Could there potentially be something that can harm me and those ones that I'm responsible for or responding with? And so they pump the brakes. We need to assess the dangers that are presented to us, especially spiritually. We're very careful in taking care of ourselves physically, aren't we? Seatbelts? You all are wearing... Well, nice thick clothes. I don't see any snowsuits tonight, but we had snowsuits in here on Sunday Sunday morning. And good for the swanks because it was cold in here, man. I mean, the, the heaters weren't working. We take care of ourselves and our physical needs. What, what causes us discomfort? Well, we need to assess the situation when it comes to spiritual things. Ephesians 5 and verse 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. What does circumspectly mean? It means around... And it means looking. It means looking all around. Situational awareness. Keeping your eyes open for those things that might harm me, spiritually speaking. Walk circumspectly. Don't be foolish. But do it as wise. Redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. That word evil doesn't just mean evil. It means it'll hurt you. And it comes from a word that means pain. Because the days are looking to hurt you. There are plenty of things day after day. Nice building here. You've got a nice life. You've got a nice car. You're going to go home to a nice home. Your day can really harm you, even in your own house. There are, there are ways that we can be injured supremely, spiritually speaking, in the confines and comforts of our own homes. The days are evil. Sufficient for the day is the evil thereof we can read elsewhere in Scripture. He's saying, watch out. Be smart here because the days are hurtful. Sometimes what can hurt us is what other people get into, what other people have taken part in, what other people are neck deep in, and it can impact us. What we encounter in our lives, and even going so far as to say who we encounter, can harm us spiritually. Well, do we believe that for the sake of feelings, for the sake of our reputation, For the sake of what people say about us? For the sake of protecting a relationship that may or may not be something the Lord would have us involved in in the first place? Or for any other reason? Would we believe that we shouldn't be circumspect of some kind of spiritual danger? That we shouldn't be aware and assessing this situation for a spiritual danger or a threat? And address that issue if the Lord shows us that it's dangerous? Do we believe that we shouldn't judge what measure of involvement we should have in this specific situation, perhaps with this specific person, perhaps with that specific scenario, whatever the case might be? Do we believe that we shouldn't judge and consider and evaluate and assess before we take action? Well, Paul says, he who is spiritual 
judges all things. We are to assess issues. We are to evaluate those things. Things that make you take pause. Even if you're like, I'm not expecting anything. This, 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 there's nothing wrong with this, but man, something. Man, my gut tells me. Your gut is, well, what some people call your gut, I call sometimes the Holy Spirit moving on His people. Man, I've had gut things. I've had, not gut things, we've all had gut things, but I've had gut feelings where I'm like, man, something is not right here. And I haven't always gotten the satisfaction of finding out, well, I'm not going to say whether I was right or whether I was wrong, because I do believe when the Spirit speaks to you, you're always right when you listen to Him. But I haven't had the opportunity sometimes to see the fruit borne out or to see the results or to see the actuality of what was going on there. But I have been given the opportunity at some times and realizing, wow, I'm glad I listened to my gut, which is the Holy Spirit himself. We are uh, to stop and take pause when we when we have been something's making us take pause. We need to stop and assess saints when something makes someone else take pause. You have spouses for a reason. You have parents for a reason. You have brothers and sisters in the Lord for a reason. Sometimes it's not any of those things. Sometimes it's someone that you would least expect would come up and just tell you something. And they might not even be a believer at that. But if something makes someone else take pause, oh, take pause. Take pause and assess that situation. Assess the issues. Uh, and judge your best course as the Lord directs you in that. It's not just something that's just an abstract concept in Scripture. Jesus taught it Himself, we know, in Luke chapter 12. Verse 54. Luke chapter 12. Verse 54. Then Jesus also said to the multitudes, Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, A shower is coming, and so it is. Uh, the other day I said, Man, I don't think it's supposed to snow today, but it sure looks dark out in the west. Sure enough, it started snowing. We still see the evidence of it out here on the, on the parking lot here. Um, it's just understood. A shower is coming, and so it is. When you see the south wind blow, you say there will be hot weather, and there, it, and there is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, and how is it you do not discern this time? Yes, and why even of yourselves do you not judge what is right? There's a measure of understanding and assessing and considering and evaluating that we're expected to do, expected to take place as we walk through this life that he has for us. You should be evaluating things so that you know how to respond, Jesus was saying there. We should be taking the temperature of the situation, so, so to speak. You know, uh, well, paramedics, nurses, doctors, um, you all have been to the doctor before. You all have, maybe you haven't ever called 911, but if you call 911, if someone slips and falls out here, please don't slip and fall out here. If someone slips and falls out here, break something, we call 911 out perhaps. They're going to get there. They're going to look at everything. They're going to assess what's going on. What are they going to do? They're going to say, there's my patient. I can go through all the motions from the old days. Seeing secure, seeing safe. This is my only patient. BSI, body substance isolation. I'm going to do a general impression of the patient, you know, so on and so forth. You're assessing that patient. You're looking to see what's going on. What's causing them pain? What's causing them difficulty? How do they look? Are they going to die right now? What's going to kill them later? They're doing all kinds of assessments. And while they're doing that, they're also assessing, what's going to kill me right now? Is the car that just smoked that person out there, is it still driving around here going to hit me? There's a continual evaluation that takes place. 
That's how we're called to evaluate things in our own lives. Continually evaluating. Not paranoid. Not paranoid, okay? We're we're not called to, to be worried all the time, but we're always called to be circumspect and looking. What's going to harm me? What can harm me? Can this harm me? I'm not going to take this for granted until the Lord gives me the peace to do so. We should be taking the temperature on things, recognizing what doesn't feel right about things, and perhaps what people are doing that can impact you so that we can respond appropriately. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus speaks of dealing with another brother in the Lord. Jesus had much to say about judging. This is part of responding appropriately after we've assessed the situation. Matthew 18 and verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go, out, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. There's a sequence to this. You see, it's stage of three. Ah, four, if you want to count to the ultimate result here. Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. If he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church after you've made it public, so to speak, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. And that means to hold them in, well, at arm's length, they'll say it that way. Hold them at arm's length. There's an expectation for us to assess where there may be issues, even if those issues involve people. How else do we even know if there's sin to be addressed if we don't look at something and assess it for what we see and what we know? How do we even know if we don't consider it? How do we know whether we need to tell this person, ah, you've sinned against me, or to go to the next step and bring one or two with us, or to go to the next step and make it public before the church, or to go to the next step and actually separate fellowship? How do you know if you don't sit and consider and assess And even judge, is this something that needs to be done as you keep it before the Lord? For that matter, praise the Lord. There's also the concept, the hope that there would be, well, reconciliation, right? Luke chapter 17, again, Jesus' words in Luke 17, 3. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, he says here. And if he repents, that's what we want. That's what we hope for. Forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. How do you know if there is even something to forgive if you haven't assessed a situation? If you haven't assessed a relationship? If you haven't assessed when something's presented before you, not turning away from it and pretending it's not there, but to evaluate that, assess that, because it has the potential of touching you, touching those ones who you're responsible for, perhaps. How can you assess? How can you... Well, how can you determine if there's forgiveness even to be presented? If there's forgiveness even to be offered if you haven't assessed it for yourself? Of course we're called to assess, to evaluate, to judge things and move forward in the correct way. What does that look like? Uh, Assessing things. Again, it's not paranoia. It's not just cynical snootiness. It's not just, you. like I said, you know... (laughs) Ooh is a word that should probably, we should be careful before it comes out of our mouths because, well, I'm not going to just give examples of all the foulness that's there and all the foulness that's potential, but we're all capable of all the foulness that's there. We're all capable of, well, of doing things that are ew, you could say. 
But as far as how we're supposed to assess, how we're supposed to judge, well, we begin by doing it organically, like I've said. You know, it doesn't take very long. You walk into a place where you don't know anybody. There's a whole series of people. You maybe walk into a coffee shop or whatever. You're doing it without even thinking about it. You're looking at people and thinking, oh, I like her shoes. Ooh, hate his hair. Ooh, he smells bad. You know, we're doing stuff like that without even really trying. Yeah, nice eyes on that person. Friendly face. And you might even be attracted to that person if you're capable of being so and so okay. And you find yourself drawn to certain things. You're constantly assessing. You're constantly judging. And not always is it a wrong thing. If you're just sitting there going, ew, 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 and finding the things you don't like this, you don't like this, well, then something is wrong. And you need to take that to the Lord. Okay, don't make me say ew again, because I think I'm done with that. But there's something, something wrong there, right? That's not what we're called to be, naturally or spiritually. But we are organically, just throughout our experience and interaction with different people, judging. Even people that we know, right? Even people that we know. I drove in. Ian's out there scraping. The other day, Judah was out there hacking out the ice. Eh, it warms my heart to see people doing that stuff. Brian and Joel are out there scraping out here. I appreciate that. Seeing them working. I didn't ask them to do that. You evaluate, right? Yeah, good guys. Good dudes. You know, someone smiles at you when they come in. You're like, ah, that's nice. Someone frowns at you. You're like, hmm. You know, you're evaluating. Always assessing. Always judging. It's organic. Based on your own personality and based on your own experiences, based on your own preferences, based on what you are, again, attracted to, not in a wrong way, but what you are drawn to in regards to personalities, you find yourself, well, leaning towards different personalities and the like. Uh, Paul established his impressions of people uh, in a similar way as far as spiritual things go. In Acts chapter 17, he was in Athens and he saw those Athenians. And he was assessing those ones. He was evaluating them spiritually as he was walking amongst them and amongst their life. And, and going through Athens, this grand city where there was you know, commerce and industry and all kinds of idolatry and the like. And they were pretty misguided, spiritually speaking. It says, Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus, you might have Mars Hill in your translation, and said, men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. This is what I'm picking up off you guys. I've assessed this, and man, you guys are religious. Now, you'll notice I'm not saying you guys are faithful. He didn't say you guys are, man, admirable in your faith and in your religiosity. That's not what he was saying. He says, I'm picking this up. I see that you're religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, that's his way of saying, I was evaluating you. It is so plain what you guys are interested in. Well, look at this. I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. You all are misguided. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. And then he started to preach to them. And, he, and while he was there in Athens, he wanted to speak to them of this unknown God and make him known to them. But at the present, when he was there, he recognized, wow, man, they have Aries over here. And they, I don't know if I, my Roman names will be wrong, but here's Jupiter or Zeus or here's Diana or here's, you know, this temple to this and here's this presentation. Wow, this, to the unknown God? <laughs> he was evaluating them and he was assessing them. And you can be sure that if Paul was a weaker man, as the vast majority of the people who would come through Athens didn't have his stature of faith, they would have come through. And you know what? All of those statues and all of those things presented there might have rubbed off on them. They're a danger to them. 
an influence to them. Even a weak-minded believer who knew who the unknown God was could have come through there and said, wow, might they be getting it right? Look at the money that's presented here. Look at the artwork. Look at the feel. Look at all the... Man, it just feels grand. No. No, Paul was not going to be influenced, and so he was... Well, he was going to influence outward. He needed to get it right if he was going to do that. Jesus, when the woman touched the hem of his robe, virtue flowed out of him. Power flowed out of him because Jesus was capable of doing that. Jesus could walk into any place that he chose and be justified and righteous in doing so. And he would walk into that place and nothing was going to permeate him. He was that cleanser of sorts. He was, I don't want to be stupid, but man, I have a magic eraser at home that cleans just about anything. (laughs) Scrub, scrub, scrub. How does it get this off? I finally found out the science of it. It's amazing. Jesus is greater than any magic eraser. He, he is just un... Well, every place that he walked in, he's the one person who walked this earth that he would have never left a place when he walked out worse than when he walked in. It could only have well stayed the same or gotten much, much better because he was the cleanser. Paul... Paul wasn't deciding when he was walking through here if he liked these ones in Athens. He was assessing them, considering them, perceiving their condition, perceiving their spiritual state, perceiving what the danger was to him, if he allowed it to be so, and to those ones of God's people that were there and God's potential future people that were there. And he recognized this. He knew what God's will and direction was for those people. And it wasn't to set up an altar to the unknown God and everyone else, well, not under the sun, everyone else from their, own, from their own imaginations. He understood. He knew what the Lord wanted because he knew the Lord. He knows what the Lord wanted for people. Now, when Paul was going through here, he was doing this from the position of an apostle. He recognized what his position was. He recognized what God's intention was for him. So he, well, he occupied himself in that position. You're no apostle and I'm not either. That's not what we're called to do, but we still do similarly. We look, we consider, we assess, again, even organically, just based on what we see reflexively. Something doesn't feel right here. Maybe something feels fine here. But over the course of time and exposure, if we are continued to be exposed to that situation with time, what we need to recognize, well, how does God feel about this? How should I feel about this? All of our perception and all of our assessment and all of those things are based and founded on the Word of God. Need to be. And that's why. Well, that's why we need to be well studied in the Word. We need to have studied to show ourselves approved and be diligent to show ourselves approved so that when we walk through all of the gods that everyone has around and the misconceptions of who the unknown God is and all of these things that would push in and push on us and, and push back on us and try to... We'll try to misguide us and misdirect us that we would have that foundation as Paul did and understand this isn't right and I need to be aware of this and we need to judge, consider, and have the appropriate response. Uh, In John 7 verse 24, Jesus says, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. For time's sake, I'm not going to go much farther with that other than to say righteous judgment The only judgment that we must have comes from the Lord only. 
He is the source of righteousness. He's the source of righteous judgment, the source of righteous intentions. He's the source of righteous motivations. He's a source of righteous perspective. And he's the source of righteous assessment and evaluation and judgment. So it has to be based on his word. It has to be led of his spirit. It has to be established completely on the Lord. Otherwise, we're going to be leaning into our own earthen vessels. We're going to lean into our own feelings. We're going to lean into our own self-worth and all of those things that cause God's people to be altogether too judgmental and not righteously assessing as he would have us to do. We need to have an understanding of the word. We need to have an understanding of what God wants for us. We need to have an understanding of what God wants for people so that we don't walk blissfully ignorant to the things that are around us that are actually sticking to us, cutting us without us even understanding it. The unfruitful works of darkness that we can read about in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11. We recognize what those are because we've considered the word. Because we've looked into the word and understood his general desire for humankind. His general desire for his people. So that when we do encounter those things that would harm us, we recognize it. And we assess those things and assess them well. He who is spiritual judges all things. Saints, you can understand, I can understand, the hesitation that comes with dealing with those things. Once you've determined, uh, this is out of line, this is out of order, this isn't what God would have for me, this isn't what God would have for them, this is something that actually does need to be addressed. I need to speak to this person perhaps one-on-one, or one-and-two-on-one, or take this to the church, or altogether separate fellowship, or whatever the scenario might require. You understand why that would be unsavory, undesirable, Uh, well, something that we wouldn't wish to do. You might feel unworthy in doing such things. You might feel like you're being hypocritical yourself in doing such things. We'll consider more of that next week. You know, God's people don't want to be that guy oftentimes. I don't want to be that guy who just comes off as all high and mighty and all of these things. Sometimes we just aren't sure what we're dealing with. Sometimes you aren't sure this doesn't feel right. And you know what? I'm I'm confident, but I I don't know why it's not right. And we might close our eyes to it and just let it be. Just kind of push it aside. Saints, we're called to assess well. We should invest ourselves into the word. We should seek the leading of the spirit in its fullness. We should understand what the Lord would have for us and what the Lord would have to a measure for other people. So that we might assess well when those things that we encounter might cause us to take pause. Or might we might not see them at all and someone else take pause and wonder, why in the world are they not doing something about this? Why in the world are they? And our testimony might be impacted. We can assess well. Test all things. I'll close with this in 1 Thessalonians 5.21. Paul said to test all things. To what end? To judge and respond appropriately. Test and evaluate all things so that we might judge what that is that we need to do in our lives. We might judge whether or not that's something we need to embrace or dismiss. So we can judge what the appropriate response is. He goes on to respond accordingly. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. That's one thing we might do. And we also should abstain from every form of evil. How will we know? If it's evil, if we don't assess it. How will we know what is good if we don't assess and, based on the word, assess and look and establish for ourselves, this is not what God would have for me. Or this is everything God would have for me. Saints, it's practical. 
It's spiritually safety for us to judge as the Lord would have us to, to assess all things that might cause us harm or those ones that are dear to us. We need to learn how to judge and judge appropriately. And that begins with assessing all things according to the word and the leading, the will and the way of God. Next week, we will consider the proper mindset for judging appropriately. And so we'll talk more about that on Wednesday.